Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we're going to talk about DC Comics. If you haven't read the comics that were released on uh, November 16th yet, what are you waiting for? Read them comics. No, November 23rd. 23rd, I'm sorry, I'm a week behind here. Yeah, you're in real trouble if you haven't read the 16th comics yet. 23rd, read them comics and come back to our podcast, because we're going to spoil them for you. So, um, first on the docket tonight... Superpowers number one by Art and Franco, Art Balthazar and Franco, bringing us their latest installment of their all-ages DC work. Uh, this one felt a little bit different than what they've done in the past. It was a little bit more of a, of a linear plot going through as opposed to like Tiny Titans, which has you know page-by-page like page stories. This was more in line with their um, Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam work or other sort of longer-form um Stuff, but very much drawn in the Tiny Titans style. So, what did you guys think of this comic? I know, Vince, you reviewed this for Multiversity, so why don't you start us by talking about it? Yeah, I, I did review it. I gave it an 8 out of 10, I think. Um, and that's, you know, when I when I read an Art and Franco book, like, that's pretty much what I think of all of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. I read it, I go, 8 out of 10. That was really good. <laughs> um it's very good. It doesn't try to do too much more than what you see on the surface. Um, although there were one or two twists in this one that we'll talk about that, that <clears> I thought were kind of neat. But, um, but you know, if, if you've ever seen an Art and Franco book, you've seen them all. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, and, and it's, a, it's a very cartoony, simplistic style, but it's meant for all ages. And, um, you know, it's the, the plotting and the action staging is done really well. And... Um, it's just it's just such a fitting style for the product that they're putting out. That's good for any, all ages, and um, and I'm just really glad that DC kind of keeps them in the fold. You know, um, it's it's something that DC and Marvel really don't do very often. But but they come in, they do one of these books every once in a while, and it's just a shot of something different that you can show to your kids. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. I think that uh, I think that they're they're we're in like twenty five years. Young comics fans are going to be saying, "I can't believe Art and Franco don't get the due they deserve," you know, because those guys have created this this large pile of work. They they've really put together a lot of comics, and they've all been pretty good. And uh, yeah, I'm glad they're around as well. Uh, Zach, what did you think of the issue? I liked it a lot. It was fun. It was. Um... It felt pretty silver agey in a fun way, um, just with how like, oh, just like how like, wham bam in your face everything was, mm-hmm. and all these like, you know, really like big concepts, new Krypton, um, all the stuff with Brainiac, Brainiac um, and 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 Superman being kind of half brothers, yeah, 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 and like his parents being back, and it was just a lot of fun. And it was cool to have like a uh, them do a Trinity style book. Yeah, yeah. So that's so when they say superpowers, that's essentially seems to be what they're talking about. And I don't know if they're planning on including any more of the Justice League or if this is like a strictly uh, strictly keeping it to the Trinity for the most part. Um, but it's it's a little bit it's a little bit more expansive than what they've gotten to work with in the past. And Zach, like you said, you brought up New Krypton. 
that was a cool little twist because that's something that they're not really doing in the main comics right now. That's not part of Rebirth as of yet. And it was nice to revisit that concept in, in some way. And there was even a little twist about there being a, a, another baby on the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In there. So that like it's it's almost just seeing new Krypton, like I want that that to be so badly folded back into rebirth somehow, you know, whether it's the bottle city or what you know, whatever. Um I just want that I want that world to sort of collide again with Superman and so seeing it in superpowers was was a treat for me. Um and yeah, it was just fun. It was fun, and it's, like, wacky in that very, like, modern, matter-of-fact... Like, if you watch cartoons these days, a lot of the humor is, like, characters saying absurd things, but everybody treating it matter-of-factly, you know? Right, right. Um, that's very much, like, much of the humor in this comic. Uh, I'm thinking about the scene where Batman, like, hacks the... Um, I forget exactly what it was, but then... Superman is like, you can do that? And he's like, I'm Batman. <laughs> <You Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, and we're just going with it, you know? Um, just just so much fun. I agree. I agree. Um, I hope that they keep letting Art and Franco do these things forever. Yeah. Uh, I presume all three of us are pulling this? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get into the uh, the Rebirth proper books right now with Action Comics number 968, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Tyler Kirkham. This is the second part of the Men of Steel arc. Um, guys, what are we doing here? It's a good question. Zach, you go first. <laughs> Was it necessary to have two editor's notes telling us that <laughs> the mysterious Clark had used his signal alarm? <laughs> his little his alarm signal? Plus all the dialogue that indicated that he did? Yeah. Uh, this is a book, guys. It's a book. Can, can I tell you? Now, we've all... We've all been around a time or two. We've been Jurgens so many times. We've probably all lost count, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm I. I've probably read everything Jurgens has done uh, from the '90s till now, and some of the '80s stuff. Everything? Uh, damn near. If wow. You think about it. Like everything he's done at DC. From uh, Death and Return of Superman to Booster Gold to everything New 52 and beyond. I read his Thor run over at Marvel. I'm not sure what other Marvel work he had over there, but um, I've read a lot of Jurgens in my day, okay? And you start to see, when you've read that much Jurgens, you start to see these patterns of things that he just loves to do, just things that he keeps writing about phrases he keeps using over and over again he loves to have his hero spend entirely too much internal monologue gauging the strength of his opponent <laughs> and then and then at some point in the fight he'll say something like 
oh, this opponent is pretty strong. I can really cut loose against him. He's written that exact <laughs> phrase like a million times, and he did it in this issue again. Yes, he did. Like he's analyzing Zade's power level or whatever it is, and he's like, oh, I don't have to he, hold that. He, I really he clicks on his scouter and sees <laughs> his power level. He says, he says it's over 9,000. Um, <laughs> yes. Video exactly. games. Uh, DBZ. Oh, sorry. Thank you very much. <laughs> my other, my, um, my other cultural blind spot. Thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, I'm so sick of reading his his writing tendencies, um, especially when they're not paired with anything interesting that's going on. You know, I could stomach this if they were doing something interesting with <laughs> Superman, but they're just stuck in this. You know, who is this mysterious Clark Kent? who the hell is Zade and why do we care? Like, that's another thing he does. Uh, you know, somebody asks Zade like, what his, what his end game is or whatever. And Zade is like, that's, that's for you to find out another time or something like that. Like, <laughs> it's I code swear, for, I haven't figured it out yet. Exactly. Yeah. Or like, or like I'm manufacturing a mystery that's actually not at all that interesting, but I have to make my villain sound mysterious and, like, I swear, I've just, you know, between Thor and this and some of his uh, New 52 work, I just feel like I'm reading the same dialogue tropes over and over again. And I'm getting I'm getting to the point where I just can't do it anymore. Um, the one thing I did like is that is that it seems like Jurgens is maybe uh, 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 sort of metaphysically holding Dilbert cartoonist Scott Adams' feet to the fire because he brings up the would you kill Hitler if you could go back in time and he was a baby thing. And uh, Scott Adams has vowed to kill Trump, so we all need what? to no. hold his feet to the fire. He's vowed to kill Trump if Trump goes evil. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's <laughs> got to kill Trump now, right? Uh, fair enough, yes, okay. Uh, yeah. This is a garbage comic, guys. It's bad. <laughs> if I had yeah. a nickel for every time you said that about a comic. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, uh, but uh, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I mean, is this... I feel like every bit of... A, every panel is the most obvious choice for that panel. Like Zane Malik or whatever his name is. Being like, you know, <laughs> sparing Superman's life because his son asked him to, yeah. like this time, like that's the most, that's the most, <laughs> you know, bullshit trope in the universe. Right. And ev- guess what? He's gonna come back and kick your ass now. <laughs> exactly. And you know, like every, everything that happens, like if you look at a probability chart of like this is the situation, what's gonna happen? The most obvious thing happens every single time. And. uh it's not that there are uninteresting like possibilities here. The idea of Luthor being like predestined to take Dark Darkseid's mantle, like that could be an interesting story. It can't under Jurgens, but that could be an interesting story. And uh it's just he loves Superman fighting people that are physically equal or above Superman. It's like his favorite thing. His like his safety word in bed is doomsday. Like all, all he likes is uh, 
is just you know um, I don't need that image in my head. Yeah, he's he's pointing his wife everywhere. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you know, it's just uh, it's so tiresome. Uh, I am I am just about ready to pulp this comic. Oh, it's Jesus! Yeah, it's pulped, man. I I have a long string (laughs) when it comes to uh, to Superman comics, so. I guess, but I just man. want Superman comics to be good so badly. How many we have good Superman comics, Brian? I want them all, Zach. No. no, Zach is right here. We have good ones, Brian. Just enjoy them, appreciate them. All right, I'm pulping. That's good. <laughs> if you've pulped Batman, you might as well pulp action comics. That's true. All right, that brings us to Batgirl, the Beyond Burnside finale, written by Hope Larson, illustrated by Raphael Albuquerque. And uh, this read almost as there was almost as definitive to of an ending to this as you get in a monthly super comic. Like this story is wrapped up pretty perfectly at the end of this uh, story arc. Um, but what did you guys think of it? Did you enjoy the uh, this the issue? I liked it a lot. I thought it was fun. I thought the whole. Um the the mechanism that they used for having her shut off her her memory to fight better was mm-hmm. the the idea is you know very comic booky but I thought the way they presented it was very fun and interesting and yeah I thought it was a good I thought it was a good closer for an arc that I've kind of been up and down on but mostly liked yeah yeah, that, that solution to that problem feels very much like a Barbara Gordon solution, you know, whether it is overly comic booky or not, you know. Yeah. It's it's very much like, well, it's already pretty comic booky that she's got this uh, photographic memory um, that she can so detailed, uh, you know, in such a detailed way tap into that, you know, shutting parts of it, it you know, it's almost like a sensory thing, like when one sense goes away your other senses compensate or whatever they say, you know? Um, so I thought, I thought that was a really cool, um, way to solve that problem. Um, I thought the art was really good. Albuquerque and, and the colorist Dave McKegg, um, created a really cool looking Batgirl book. Um, yeah. and now it's coming back to Burnside. So like it remains to be seen kind of what the, Albuquerque's going away too, right? Yes. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what what the follow up is like. But you know, for like a for like a five, I guess did it have a rebirth issue? Uh, no, background on the Birds no. of Prey did, and yeah. they kind of folded them together for that purpose. So for like a, a five issue little story, um, I think it was pretty cool how it was all kind of self contained and wraps up, and now she's leaving her korean friends behind and and it's on to other things and and i think something like that happens so rarely in comics um i really appreciate it when it does i thought i was going to say is that this almost felt like it was written as a miniseries and i wonder if um perhaps this was originally pegged as like a batgirl ogn because albuquerque's a pretty big name mm. he's the type of guy maybe they would have contracted to uh and even hope larson she pre rebirth she's far more of a of some of somebody that DC would probably bring in to do an OGN versus a monthly series. 
Yeah. Um, it's kind of structured like an OGN, both in uh, in length and in pacing, and in how quickly it wrapped up at the end too. Just a thought. I have no proof of that. Just a just a um, yeah conspiracy theory. I guess you you might be right. I might be crazy. <laughs> just maybe a lunatic you're looking for. Yeah, that's enough Billy Joel for tonight. Um, yeah, this is a good comic. I'm interested to see where it goes next. I'm hoping that this is the Batgirl book that survives the eventual purge and not Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. It will be. Yeah, hopefully, surely. Come on, guys. Have you guys seen anything about the direct, the DC Direct Currents? Uh, magazine that's coming out yeah. i i haven't yet but um it'll be out by the time folks hear this so tell us what's going on well i, I just i i, I didn't oh. see i'm sorry i did see that they that they um that they hinted at a summer no sorry in the solicit for the next issue of direct currents they mentioned a summer event from dc uh, i didn't see anything about this current issue oh yeah so specifically i just wanted to say that um there's something about batgirl in there that makes it sound like like they have plans for this book to keep going on for for a while yet. Oh so, good. Okay. Um that's all I wanted to say about that. Cool. Thanks for us, Gump. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a smart man, but I know what Batgirl is. is. <laughs> Your joke is better. I shouldn't have stepped on that. Um All right, guys. I, I guess we're all still pulling Batgirl. Yes. Yes. Okay, that brings us to Batman Beyond, written by Jan Durgens, illustrated by Bernard Chang. Uh, this is the book I Wilkerson this week. Couldn't do I it. I also Wilkerson it. Dang. I tried. I got like five pages in and just said, fuck it, I, don't, I can't do it. I just don't care. I, I will say this. Okay, I will give it this. There was a chase sequence, sort of a flashback between Batman and the Joker. Okay, that's where I gave up. I saw it starting, and I was like, nope, I'm done. Okay. Well, the dialogue all over this issue is really dumb, but Bernard Chang drew a really cool chase sequence. Bernard Chang is really good. He's great. I'm upset I'm not reading the book he's drawing, but I can't do this anymore. Just go back and take a look at that sequence and just enjoy it for the art, you know? Okay, I can do that. if you want to try to find the positives in in a really mediocre book, that his art is definitely one of them. Okay. That's good I feel like know. I've had a long s- string of wanting to read Bernard Chang books, but not because I didn't like the book he was on. That's I remember. Yes. He was so, on Green Lantern Corps a number of years ago. Yeah, and I read that, but I didn't like that run very much. Because I think that was when... Um, was that when Tomasi came back to the book? Yeah, that was um, was supposed to be. No, that was when Josh William. Ben uh, uh, was on it. It was supposed to be Josh um, Josh Fialkov doing it. Yeah, yeah. He was but, doing that in Red Lanterns. Yeah, and, but it was Van Jensen who did it. And, yeah. Uh, I guess I thought that was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't like super great. But then he also did the. He did demonize, but it was when Venditti took over, <laughs> and that was not great. Bob, like that as much, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and he was also on the previous run of Batman Beyond, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Vince, is this book worth me going back and reading or no? Not uh, just 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 uh, double Wilkerson the art in the first, just in that chase sequence. I thought I I don't know. I like Bernard Chang. I thought he did a good job. Um, I don't want to tell people to go and read this book or anything, but <laughs> you know, it's maybe. No, it just it just looks nice, you know. That's all. Yeah. It's not very good. <laughs> all right, that brings us to the book that Vince wanted so badly to Wilkerson, Blue Beetle. Oh boy, I did Wilkerson it. You did. I mean, I I. Yeah, I, I read, I scanned the 20 pages, not reading any of the dialogue. Okay. I noticed Sugar and Spike from the yes. Legends of Tomorrow anthology book. From the hit them. book, Legends of Tomorrow. And that, yes, and that made me go, ooh, and then that that was it. That was all, all I can take away from this. That had been uh, previously no, like noted in an interview or solicited or something. It's, I wasn't so surprised by that, but... Uh, written by Keith Giffen, illustrated by Scott Collins. Everyone in this book bickers, guys. Everyone in this book is bickering constantly. We've talked about this before, but even the scenes without Jaime, he's still bickering. Everyone's still bickering. Well, it takes one to know one, Brian. Hey, look, I don't come into your place to work and tell you how to do your job. Well, don't you think maybe you should? Someone has to do your job. You guys are too good at this. <laughs> We're just angry men with a, a pool of rage inside of us just waiting to come out at any time. Um, this is... <laughs> pull the string in the back of my back of my toy. What does it say? This is a garbage comic. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really not good. I, I will say... I'm happy to see Ted Cord do something in this book. But that's about as far as I'll go. Yeah. Zach, did you Wilkerson this? Oh, is that even a, <laughs> is that even a real question? <laughs> <laughs> hey, now you got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you <laughs> got it, Zach. <laughs> see, you can do it, too. <laughs> uh. Why are you just talking to the wall, dummy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doctor uh, Fate showed up, which was you know better than uh, not showing up, I guess. He seemed really menacing. He did. I'm a little mad. It's not the uh, Khalid. They man, if they don't do something with him, because I don't. Did you guys read the last issue of that book? No. Give us a quick recap of what happened at the end of the book. Well, so the last two issues were drawn by. Um, Brady McCarthy, right? Yes. Yeah, thank you. So they were really trippy. I mean, basically, it was just an excuse for uh, McCarthy to draw a bunch of neon stuff like he likes to do, you know? Uh-huh. It was basically Khalid on, like, a, a drug trip the whole time. I don't. We don't need to talk about, like, the plot or anything, but basically at the very end, he, uh, he takes the helmet and, like, sticks it in his backpack and just walks on down the road. So, like... It did not give an ending to his character or his time as Dr. Fate. Right. So I have to think that at some point he's going to show up again. You know, he, he's running around with the helmet. So. So I, I have a theory. Okay. Um, I was going to save this for a, a speculatory article. Maybe I'll still do that. But so we know that DC is doing a big summer event. 
and I always t try to read the solicits like tea leaves and to find things that stick out like a sore thumb, specifically in their reprint division, because certain things get reprinted all the time. Like there's every month, there's a couple of Batman books get reprinted. But every now and then you see something pop up and you're like, huh, that's really weird. Like for instance, pre-rebirth, they announced a reprint of the original Super Sons story. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, and now we know why, because you know, this is a, a new ongoing book from them. One of the things that's being reprinted is there's a collection of all of the Paul Dini Zatanna stuff mm. that's coming out in the spring. Uh, aside from that Black Canary Zatanna OGN, that's not collected in there for obvious reasons. But anyway, um, and so I was thinking about how there's um, there's no aside from the Constantine book, which we'll get to in a few minutes. There's not really any magic happening in DC right now. And I feel like Zatanna, Dr. Fate, Shazam, those are all magic characters. Mm. And I could see maybe the summer event having something to do with magic. And maybe the next batch of books, which will probably come out in the summertime, will be more magic-based. Because you got to realize, Justice League Dark, the movie's happening again now. I know they just did the animated film. But they're going to have to have some sort of magical presence in the comics before that film happens. Yeah. So, so my theory is that it's going to be a magic-based event. Interesting. Very interesting. I just want some Detective Chimp stuff, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I would read this shit out of a Shadow Pact book. Uh-huh. Oh, that would be nice to bring back Shadow Pact. Yeah. Anyway, that was our Dr. Fate detour. Uh, I'm I'm pulping this book. Yeah, it's pulped. I think I pulped it after the first issue. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember the last time I read one. You are by far the most polite of us, but also the quickest to pulp. Yep. <laughs> He's an assassin. He I is. think I counted it up today. I think there's seven books that I just don't read anymore. And what are those seven books? Um. So Blue Beetle, Backer on the Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn, Cyborg, um... Batman Beyond, that's five. What am I forgetting that's not good? Trinity. Uh, no, I'm still reading Trinity. Boom. Uh, I'm still technically reading action comics. I guess I haven't, like, I, I mean, I read this week's issue. Titans? I'm still reading that. The Hellblazer? Yeah, that's uh, good. We'll get to that. It's fine. We'll get to that. I'm, I'm not actively not reading that one i didn't read this week's issue though because i had forgotten that i had not read the previous issue okay and failed. so i'm like i'm not like throwing that one out i'm just not caught up on it that's only a light wilkerson it's a, yeah it's a it's a <laughs> it's a passive wilkerson yeah. <laughs> the others are active i don't know there are a couple more i know that i'm forgetting because i counted seven okay um let's get to a book though that, that the three of us are definitely reading and that's deathstroke Oh, oh yeah, oh this one, <laughs> guys. What world do we live in that the Deathstroke book is the best book in comics? <laughs> Written um, by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Larry Hama and Carlo Pagulian. This is so good. It is a treat. It's it's definitely a treat. Um, 
And and now he's bringing in Superman, and he's gonna bring in Raptor later. Like yep. I feel like I feel like this is just this is just Priest taking Deathstroke on a tour of the DC universe, and you know this is one of the few books. And I, this sounds silly in a medium that can accomplish anything and uh, from publishers that have characters that could literally do anything. This is the one book from DC right now that feels like it could be anything from month to month or from bi-week to bi-week. Mm-hmm. Like a- anything could happen. Anything could show up. And mm-hmm. I love it. I it, they're just giving him like free reign to kick ass on this book. F- favorite panel, uh, Deathstroke's wife telling or ex-wife telling Superman to do his effing job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and then, I, I really liked. Page. I really liked how at one point she has a gun pointed at Slade and he has his gun pointed at her, and her new husband is just getting a beer from the fridge <laughs> and yes. just like not paying it any mind. Yeah, loved it. Um, it's funny too. There's a lot of things about this book that if they were in another book, I would groan at, but I feel like priest has earned a lot of what he's doing here and he just does it so well. He just takes concepts like just the scene I just described to you, Slade and his wife with guns drawn at each other. Mm-hmm. That ex-wife that, that could be done so hackneyed and it's not at all. Um, the scene almost reminded me of the scene from, um, Kill Bill Volume 1, where the bride is with um, Vivica A. Fox, and they're in her kitchen, and the daughter's there. Yeah. And there's that, like, there's that lingering tension that one of them is going to kill the other one. But in this, it's the opposite. It's that you know they're not going to do anything. And they, they, there might be the appearance of violence, but no one's going to shoot anybody. Yeah. Um, just so good. So good. Um, Pulling this book. Definitely. That brings us to Detective Comics, which uh, this month, as always, written by James Tynion the Fourth, illustrated by Carmen Carnero and Al Barrio Nuevo. Um, I, I I'm I'm still really enjoying Detective Comics. This wasn't my favorite issue of the series. Yeah, I, I same. I, I liked it. I, I, I didn't feel any of the drop-off, which is surprising considering um, uh, we got some different artists than what we've seen mm-hmm. so far, and I thought they did a really good job. Um, Detective Comics seems to be blessed with a similar style of art all the way through so far, Yeah. regardless of who's drawing it, and it's it's really good, you know? Um, uh I think I think this issue was really interesting in the time that they spent with the characters more than anything. Um Steph got quite a bit of development. Um Asriel made an appearance. I'm cool with that. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. That it, was It looks like from Future Solicits that he's joining the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm well he cool with that. Yeah. Totally. He pulls out the sword. He's, he's, he's like a nice balance to these characters because he he fights for like an entirely different reason. Yes. You know, which is interesting to see. And 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 uh, James Tynan seems to have a 
good grasp of that, you know. He's really grown as a writer. Um, oh, yeah. Not not even just from the New 52, but even, like, within this very book. And it's only been, like, ten issues or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know we, we all had kind of, like, some reservations with um, Batman and Robin Eternal, mm-hmm. which he was kind of the showrunner for. Um, but yeah, this is, this is kind of leagues, leagues beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. With the same characters. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 That's, that's an interesting point, but I think that's really, you know, part of that has to do with his growth. I mean, most of it is probably due to his growth, but a lot of it is also just rebirth seems to be fostering an environment that the new 52 wasn't back then, you know? Like that that yeah. that book that book was was good at times, but it was still hampered by like just just this like cold Im, imper, imperson impersonal feeling, you know? Like I don't know, Rebirth is so much warmer just across the board. Yeah. Um, uh, so my reservation with this issue is. And this is not something I typically say about this book. I, I felt that everyone's story was so much more interesting than Batman's story. And I'm usually fine with that in this book. But for some reason, Batman just appeared very cold to me in this book. And I feel like what separates Batman here from Batman and Tom King's book is that Batman here gives a shit about people. And I felt like this was a little bit clinical for him. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of a jerk with the like the scene with Steph and yep. um, Doctor Thompson. Yeah. And the the one way mirror or whatever. Yeah. But that is that does feel like something he would do too. So. It does, but I, I guess I feel like it. I feel like this book has been good about not having him fall down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> what did you all think about the ending? I don't know what to think. Like, are we me- are we meant to think that that's literal or like a vision or a transmission? It seemed literal. Like it was drawn literally. I wonder if it has something to do with the uh, the victims. What do you mean by that? Syndicate. Yeah, the victim syndicate. I I guess. Do we really like? Do we know? Um. What like all of their powers are like the first victim do we know what his or her powers are i don't believe so i I was wondering if maybe it had something to do with that character Mm. i just think it's in steph's head i think it's a sign of her psychosis okay well not psychosis but you know just her uh her grief her grief yeah or whatever because we know for a fact where red robin is right he's not there um, it was nice to see Harper Rowe back. Yeah, and then yep. in, in a more prominent role. Um, yep, I like her. I, I like her a lot. She, she takes a lot of flack online, but why? I don't get that. Because Trump's America. I don't know. <laughs> to me, she is like she's the least frustrating of the of the newer Bruce sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. 
Anyway, I'm still pulling the book, even though this wasn't my favorite issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's still my favorite Batman book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Tomasi's Superman is somehow a better Batman book. But... <laughs> <laughs> that is true. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I know we bring this up a lot, and we sound like the prudes or like the, the MPAA or something. Oh, here, how, how like, the word asshole was in this book? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I know we... Th- we... <laughs> Uh, we sound like fucking prudes, you guys. But uh, <laughs> fucking prudes. That's yeah. the uh, yeah. No, but I think it's interesting. We've talked about this a few times, so I figured I'd bring it up. They they they've used that word in Midnighter. They have used harsh language in Vigilante Southland, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when we came across those issues, we we all talked about how for those books, you know who the readers are. These are not like young kids grabbing these books and reading them because these characters are characters that o- older teens and adults probably identify with more. You know, the books are very clearly targeted at the older crowd. You know, Detective Comics. Yes, it's like the more it's it's always been like the grittier side of Batman, but it's a Batman comic. I'm I'm really surprised. I'm not offended. Don't get me wrong. I'm just really surprised that they use that word yeah. in their flagship title. They're really pushing envelopes all over the place since Rebirth started. I think almost uniformly to good effect, too. Yeah. The books that aren't good are not bad because they're swinging and missing. It's because they're not swinging. Yeah. Right, 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 and they're not—they're not bad because they're overly grim and 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 gritty, or like, you know, they're just aggressively mediocre. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just—I was like, whoa, this is Detective Comics now we're talking about, you know? Yeah. This is DC, DC Comics, you know. Well, at least it's not. Um size base oral intercourse <laughs> uh, oh boy yeah uh that brings us to <laughs> the flash number 11 written by joshua williamson illustrated by davide gianfelice um this was a uh a great comic guys i'm just gonna say it you know why i'm saying that right <laughs> oh, I know why you're saying it. It's because it essentially confirms Starman as canon. Yeah, you're a shade boy. I am a shade boy. I'm a dirty, dirty shade boy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it establishes... So, for those that haven't read James Robinson's uh, Starman run, first of all, shame on you. Correct that. Uh, secondly, it, the shade is a very, very complex character in there, but there's a whole slew of... Um, of supporting characters that are all part of the same family. And we kind of see them pop up all over Starman. And Hope, the uh, the daughter of the family, is um, eventually f- falls in love with the Shade. And it's a really sort of touching sequence that happens. And um, 
the Odair family in general is, is just a really interesting part of Starman. And so to see Hope fall in love with the Shade is an unexpected thing, but it's a really welcome thing when it happens in the book. And to see that that happened in this universe and that the Flash recognizes the Shade and the Shade recognizes the Flash's goodness, all of that just leads me to believe that that there's a... Uh, I don't know. It's weird. It, it's very odd to me that that this is the way it is. Um, <laughs> so Because I feel like if there's one like book or series of books that would be discounted from Rebirth and the New 52, it would be like those dense books that were all about legacy and that all about the various permutations of heroes in the past. And Starman is that to a T. So I find it very interesting that this is still canon. Yeah. It is interesting. I think about Starman all the time. Yeah, I think about Starman all the time, guys. So What? I think about Starman all the time. All the time. Uh, I had a question. Are are roses something that are associated with the shade ever? Um, I'm not sure why. Okay, because otherwise, I think this Tower of Darkness is a pretty blatant uh, Stephen King Dark Tower reference because it's a giant black tower covered in roses. Hmm. Okay. Um. So I like that. It was on brand for me. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if he has any. I'm trying to think if there's. I mean, he the, the shades of gentleman. So he always says flowers. Yeah. I think Zach's probably spot on here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Overall, what did you guys think of the story? I thought it was great. I think this is the kind of thing that DC needs to do more often. Like, just because this is a Flash title doesn't mean that you don't – you're not able to fold in, like, these weird bits of the DC universe that don't immediately come to mind, you know? I think if – I think if they do more stuff like this, it can only benef- benefit this idea that DC is a shared space again, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. who would have guessed? Like, this is something that never would have happened, like, after the New 52 began and course-corrected and sort of flushed their, like, m- sort of mystic side away. You know, after Justice League Dark was canceled. Yeah. Now this was I, I like this a lot because I mean the Shade has ties to the Flash. Yeah, he was he was a Golden Age Flash villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but but making it very much the the Starman incarnation of the Shade, or you know the post Starman Shade. Yeah. In the in the current Flash. I, I guess um, era, yeah, it was really cool. I liked it a lot, and it, you know, it, it it just makes great use of all the characters. Like um, Wally gets used really well here. Um, Iris, uh, yeah, I guess I, she's kind of like a. I guess you could almost argue that she's kind of like a damsel here, but she's no, but she's getting she... to be the villain, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he has Flash has to save her, but she's not like, you know, like actively in distress. She's she's 
getting to be the villain. And the reason that she's in distress is that she ran after Wally. Yeah, like, true. She true. she's doing she's acting from a sense of heroism. Right. Yeah, it's good. This is a very good comic, guys. Uh, in contrast with that, next is Hal Jordan on the Green Lantern Corps. Um, <laughs> it looked good. <laughs> it looked beautiful. That sorrow page. Oh my yes. god. Yes. And this is not the worst this book has been. This is the best this book has been. Yeah, this yeah, this arc is way that, yeah. this arc is way better than the last arc. It's such a cool concept, but the dialogue gets me down most yeah. of the time. Yeah. There's like, also that that Star Wars scene of uh of guys shooting the uh the barricade and it ricocheting everywhere. Yeah. That's that, that that's the trash compactor from got from Star Wars. But, you yep. know, that's yep. okay. Of course. I got a bad feeling about that. Exactly. <laughs> um I see what you did there. I like how this comic is bringing together a lot of different things like Abin Sur in the Emerald Space. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner, White Lantern, is going to show up. Um, the Starro stuff. Did you the guys brain- see who's showing up in February? Who's that? St. Walker. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. 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 The Brainiac stuff. You know, like, yeah. like, uh, like, it's tying together a lot of stuff, um, again, in an interesting way that, that, that we, you know, I feel like after Jeff Johns left, Green Lantern tried to somehow both mimic Jeff Johns, but also do away with some very iconic, like it, it tried, it tried to mimic the way that Jeff Johns writes Hal and, and Sinestro in some ways, but then it tried to jettison off all of this extra baggage when really it should have been embracing. Like, after Johns had left, it should have embraced the idea that we should explore some of this extended stuff more, you know? Stuff that Johns himself never got to and never seemed like he was going to get around to, you know? And it didn't. And now, just now, it's finally starting to bring that stuff back in. Um... And yeah. So what, go ahead, Zach. Oh no, you go ahead. You finish. I was just saying. gonna say. I was just gonna say. So while I don't think this is a great book, it's it's getting the Green Lantern books back to a point where they feel rich and full again. Um, so it's it's almost like the promise of better books to come. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Zach. I, I, I was just gonna say, like I. I actually really enjoyed that that like first arc post John's the the lights out crossover thing, mm-hmm. um, and I really liked how it kind of like set the state like it cle- it cleared things out a lot, um, but then kind of like you're saying Vince it didn't really fill it up with anything, um, it just felt really empty for a while and now yeah kind of like you're saying I I feel like it's in a growing period again and and yeah it's just it's making good use of a lot of disparate dc concepts and i really like how they're using the the sinestro core here but the dialogue is terrible the dialogue is bad yeah it's really bad oh 
there are a few. I'm not even gonna like pick out things, but I. Uh... There's a bunch of them. Yeah. It's a, it's a painful read in that way. This but book could be so good. Though. It could be. It like like Vince said, they're they're laying the seeds for a lot of interesting things to overlap. You know, between Brainiac and the various Lantern Corps and Avancer and Kyle Rayner. Those are all interesting things that I'm glad they're tackling. I just wish they would do so with a better uh, scriptwriter. Rotlop fan, guys. <laughs> What's that? What did you say? Rotlop fan. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm still pirating this book. Yeah, me too. It's kind of weird how I oscillate between which Green Lantern book is the better of the two. And it mostly correlates to when a certain artist is on one of the books. Yeah. <laughs> the non-Van Skyver times. <laughs> yeah. All right. That brings us to the Hellblazer number four, written by Simon Oliver, illustrated by Moritat. What's wrong with this book, Brian? This issue in particular, I really had a problem with. Okay. You have one of the most powerful magicians in the DC universe, or greatest charlatan, however you want to describe him, and you spend the whole book having him tied up talking about magic and not doing anything. <laughs> There's just no reason for this. This was the definition of a filler issue. Almost nothing happens, and it all happens towards the end, where there's, there's pages and pages of Constantine just being tied up and being frustrated <laughs> and uh you know i just i don't need that i'm sorry yeah i it, it that, gets good I in the that, last 10 pages i guess that didn't occur all that stuff you're saying didn't really occur to me but i understand your complaints i, I don't think the book's great i think it's perfectly crumpulent yeah that, i did like, i did like the swamp thing stuff Zach didn't read this book. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. This was one of the this was one of the Wilkerson's. This was the the passive Wilkerson. I'm just oh, I, yeah. I I hadn't I forgot I hadn't read the last issue yet. Oh, I get it. Because we had that little mix up. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was it was not sent to us for whatever reason last time. That's right. Yep. Um, I will say one thing though, like <laughs> Constantine. It doesn't bother me that Constantine is constantly smoking because that's awesome. That's Constantine, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it bothers me that he seems to be constantly lighting up a new cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is just... <laughs> he he's just, just constantly, yeah. Smoking nine packs a day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't dislike this book. I dislike this issue. Yeah. Well... That's uh, that's that's fine. Yeah. All right. That brings us to Teen Titans number two, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Diogenes Neves. Neves Neves. I don't know how to pronounce that correctly. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Um. So I have a really big question here. Does this book undo the end of Grant Morrison's Batman Inc.? Uh. I actually don't totally remember what happened at the end. Doesn't Talia die at the end? 
Yeah, but I think didn't she get brought back in Batman and Robin, or did I make that up? I don't no, know. She, she totally did. She did. Okay, I I didn't remember her coming back. Okay, I I withdraw my uh, my complaint then. Yeah, actually, um, I hate to say it because I love his run, but I feel like I feel like everything was destined to immediately be reset upon. Morrison leaving that book. I, I no, I agree with that. In fact, yeah. his last his last issue basically deals with that uh, fact of comics. You know. Yeah. And you have that whole army of Damians being being grown. <laughs> yep. Yep. Which someday, damn it, they are going to revisit that. Yes, they will. It's going to blow our brain balls. <laughs> Can't wait to have my brain balls blown. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, Teen Titans. Uh, this issue was okay. It's not great. I liked it. There, there was a subtle and timely Pokemon reference. Somebody says the phrase, the sun to their moon. <laughs> I, have to, I have to believe that the reference to Pokemon Sun and Moon. Oh, You're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> I also love where Damien said, I'm Batman. <laughs> yes, yes. And then he had to, like, to, like, back. He is, I said, I'm son of Batman. Oh, uh, I said, I'm son of Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is such a, that, that's, you know, <laughs> as good as, um, as good as Tomasi is at writing Damien, that's the best non Tomasi, non Morrison and Lon ever, I think. That's perfect. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the issue was okay. I, I liked this more than I thought I would. <laughs> I don't know much more to say. Yeah. I don't love the, like, evil super team thing, but... Yeah, it seems very, it seems very low stakes and kind of out of nowhere. But yeah, it's just also like, oh, these people just happen to pick these other teenage age people. Yeah. So I have to go protect them, and also we will be the Teen Titans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's comics. I, I like how these. It is comics. I like how I like how these team members interact, and I want to see more of that. Yeah, this is one of the few books that I feel like there's a very good reason why we're getting a detailed origin of this team, as opposed to just throwing us in there. Whereas usually, I feel like so many books just are obsessed with the origin story, but this one actually makes sense. So I'm fine with with it taking an arc to get the team really up and running. Um, I thought they worked pretty well together uh, as a team, which was fun to see. And I think uh, Nivis is a really good artist. He is. I agree. I liked him back from his Demon Knights days. I liked him on his uh, JT Crawl Green Arrow run. Ooh. I liked That's him when he was in elementary school doing sketches on his <laughs> notebook. Wow, you're so much better than us, Brian. I know. 
<laughs> nice callback. Um, <laughs> but you know, this this is fine. This is, this is good. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing when it gets a little bit more in depth and a little bit less just uh, origin-y. But you know, I gotta understand why that's happening. Gotta get less orgy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that brings us to Titans number 5. Uh, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Brett Booth. This is maybe the best issue of the book so far? Maybe. That's not super high praise. I like to... So, um, there's a, a book I really like, and an author I really like, named Nicholson Baker. It's a book called The Mezzanine. And the book takes place entirely on an escalator between the first and second floor of a building. And it's like 100 pages, and it's just, it's what this guy is thinking about as he's taking the escalator up to his office. And I feel like this book has a, this this issue of Titans has the potential to be similar to that, where all of it takes place in like 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool idea for a comic. I think that's one of the few things, I think that's one of the things a comic could do that few other mediums could do is to have an entire issue take place in 10 seconds. It is a cool idea for, especially for a Flash story. Yeah. Um, and I did like the Wally stuff here. Um, oh, the art. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. We talked about this last time. When we saw the Titans for like half a second... In a, in a Nightwing dream, they looked so much better than they do here. Like, infinitely yeah. better. Yeah. Well, and, and, like, it's sad, like, because kind of, like, a lot of the imagery here kind of reminds me of, like, 90s Wally. You know? Just, like, a lot of his, like, the running, just, just the, I don't know, it's, yeah, yeah, just, like, the way he's, like, drawn the way he's running. There's a couple of the way, a couple of his strides. Yeah, yeah. It it feels like fun and and classic for the character, but I just like I just can't. It, there's just something about it, you know. It's not even really. It's not even really bad. Technically, I I don't think. It's just so not my cup of tea. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the coloring. That's always been a problem with with uh, Brett Booth's art, it seems. And I don't know if he's always had the same colorist, but everything colorist? just everything just looks so washed out. And... Yeah, yeah. Andrew Dollhouse. I don't know if that's his regular colorist. I do feel like his his pages always look kind of like this, that kind of washed out, like you said. I think that could work for certain aspects of the book. Like, as he loses his grip on reality and becomes closer to being reabsorbed into the Speed Force, I could understand wanting to do some different coloring choices for that reason. But I'm with you guys. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the end of this book. With Wally essentially returning back into the Speed Force. Yeah, so 
So it's I feel like this is kind of one of those classic uh, comic book things where it's like, oh no, are we gonna lose Wally again? We just got him back, you know. But like, obviously everything's gonna turn out in the end. Yeah. But I wonder if and this is just me completely pulling something out of my butt. I wonder if this will have anything to do with like where Tim is trapped, you know, mm-hmm. or if this is just something completely separate. Well, I think if it's tied to anything, uh-huh. it could be, maybe this is, maybe when he comes out, he pulls Jay Garrick with him <laughs> or Max Mercury or, 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 you know, another speedster that we haven't seen in a long time. You're a genius. Of course. It's not going to happen because because this is Titans and that's got to happen somewhere though because we know it's happening. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get a Watchmen tease? Now that I could see. Yeah. Yeah. Abnett seems to be one of the guys they trust to like do the Watchmen references. Yeah. I just wouldn't be surprised if we got like a glimpse of something while he's in the Speed Force. Mm, I, I bet. We'll, like I bet that. we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of things. Kind of, you know, maybe like you mentioned, like another Jay Garrick thing, uh, a Watchman thing, some kind of hint about whatever the next event is going to be. Maybe like a subtle something. I wouldn't be surprised. It just seems like an opportunity for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know Dan DiDio recently said, it might even have been in the Direct Currents magazine, that in 2017, we're going to deal with the Watchman button, we're going to deal with Mr. Oz, and we're going to deal with where Tim and uh, Doomsday are. Okay. So, that's good. I just wish this book was better, guys. Yeah. It's weird. There is some artist like, you know, Raphael Albuquerque, you knew he was he wasn't long for uh for Batgirl, right? He was gonna do an arc or two and then be on his way. I feel like Brett Booth's gonna be on this book forever. <laughs> it's only gonna feel like forever. Probably. Alright, that brings us to Vigilante Southland number two. Zach, did you read this? I did read it, yes. Oh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Written by Gary Phillips, <laughs> illustrated by Elena Casagrande. What a own. I have just... Oh, man. <laughs> Takes one to know one. It's <laughs> not even a good comeback, but... It's, that's, a, that's a Giffen level. That's, that's a Giffen, yeah. yeah. That's, what I was, that's what I was going for, so... Yeah. Nice. Um, so Vince was very excited in our group text about this that this issue says fuck. <laughs> three times yeah i just think it's you know because what was the what was the rating on the cover um i don't have a physical copy in front of me so i'm not sure yeah i, I we didn't get to see the physical copy the one that we had didn't have a cover so um uh, let's see if it's on the like the info for 15 plus according to comiXology oh and the cover on here is teen plus See that's interesting. Teen that is. Wow. And nobody checks this stuff, guaranteed. Oh no, yeah. No. Yep. I'm sure you're absolutely right. Um, 
I'm just fascinated by the mechanics of it. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of like language and like S and M stuff in this. And, yep. And like vigilante beats up a guy with a dildo. I'm pretty sure. Not <laughs> not not really, but you know that's basically what. You're not that far not, off. Yeah, that's not a bridge too far from what we get. And uh, yeah, it's it's you know I don't know. Is this book good? I think it's okay. Uh, it, but it felt like a different book to me than the first issue. Like there was a not like a drastic change, but it, it felt subtly different to me. In a good way. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, well, I, and I, I, I guess I guess net good. I guess. Right. I think you're right, Zach. And I think I think it's an okay book. I still think it's. Like you said last time, there's cliches here, um, for sure. Actually, the fact that there's like a fat white guy, uh, fat conservative-looking white guy that ends up liking to go to an S and M club in secret is yeah. like the oldest trope in the book. But, but I don't. I think it's, I think it's executed relatively well. I don't the fight know. Fight scene would... with the guy in the wheelchair was also. <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting. That was a little cliche. Teach of. me, sensei. Yeah. <laughs> Kick your ass from a wheelchair, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like this issue less than I like the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'm probably alone in that. But I think it, it's okay. You know, Again, I, I'm just glad that DC is trying different things. This is them tr- really trying with Vigilante. Right. Whether or not I particularly care for it, I said before, DC isn't failing on the books that they're swinging and missing at. It's the it's the books that they're just watching the pitch go by. That they're not trying anything interesting. That bugs me. This doesn't bug me. This is a uh, my favorite book of the week, but I thought it was decent. I think that it has potential to introduce this new iteration of Vigilante into the DC universe, and I'd be interested to see how this character would rub up against some of the other characters we already know. I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm still pirating this. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. <laughs> You're reading it, which is something. I am reading it, so <laughs> it's not getting the Wilkerson yet. Yeah. And that brings us to our final book of the week, which we're probably going to have the most to say about, actually, which is... Harley uh, Quinn. Oh, sorry for Harley Quinn. Uh, Vince, it's that time. I should make a little theme song for what happened <laughs> in Harley Quinn this week. <laughs> Let's check in with Harley Quinn. What sort of gay stuff is subtly hinted at? <laughs> <laughs> there was no subtlety in this issue, my friend. Oh, okay. Ivy and Harley go on a vacation together to a nudist resort (laughs) and somehow it is less titillating than the last three issues where they went to a fetish club and there's a lot of poop talk so how much poop talk what's the poop talk level none none in this one no poop talk i got nothing (laughs) what kind of bullshit is this (laughs) yeah but no, for fans of for fans of Harley Quinn and for fans of the Ivy and Harley relationship, this issue was actually pretty interesting. Um, Harley's been really over the top in these first 
eight or nine. You issues don't from- say. Yeah, right. But this actually did some really sweet stuff with those two towards the end. Um, if you're interested in that at all, I'm not suggesting you guys go and read it. I'm just saying this. <laughs> don't worry, was- I won't. Despite <laughs> despite taking place almost entirely at a nudist colony, it was surprisingly sweet. So so there. <laughs> now let's talk about Wonder Woman. I Wonder Woman number eleven, written by Greg Rucka, illustrated by Liam Sharp. This is the conclusion of the lies storyline. Um, let's get right to it. At the end of this issue, Wonder Woman finds out that any time since she initially left her home that she's ever gone back there. It has not actually been where she thinks it is. That's crazy. Okay. I want to say, at the beginning of this series, I was I said I'm afraid that he's going to like go back and retcon some or all of her history, particularly the Azarello stuff. You did which, say that. Which he which he's he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I I actually really enjoyed this issue a lot. <laughs> right <laughs> I'm right there with you Zach like I, I felt the same way I, I love that Azarello run even though it's not as Wonder Woman as it could have been right. it's you not know? your traditional Wonder Woman story no but I kind of love that DC's going here and I'm letting Rucka do it I mean this if this isn't a sign of Greg, we need you. Stick around. We'll let you do whatever you want. Oh, really? <laughs> whatever I want. Okay. Like, this This couldn't have happened in anyone else's hands. I think, ultimately, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I, al- I also think that he did it in a respectful way. Like, um... You know, they, they have a sequence where, where uh, Steve mentions Zeke and the baby, I think, or, or maybe it was Diana that said that, but they meant they directly reference Azarello's run and so they're not they're not saying like, Look, none of this ever happened. They're just saying it didn't happen in the traditional sense that this was actually the place that they thought it was. Right. And I'm interested in seeing them explain how that could be the case. And if anyone can do it in a convincing way, it's Rucka. Um, I also want to say that what a brilliant, like we thought it was just brilliant that they were letting him do Wonder Woman Earth One, or sorry, Year One. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Freudian slip there. Um, Alongside this, just because it it was a nifty thing to do with a book that ships twice monthly. But now that we realize that he's essentially saying any of the stories uh, in between these two, yeah, are essentially some sort of lie or fiction, like now rather than it just being an exercise in the past and the present, it's literally if you wanted to, you could say right here, these uh, 11 issues, 12 issues so far, that's your Wonder Woman canon. And Greg Rucka created it all. You know? It's pretty bold. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, but it's it, also, it, like, it's 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 fine, though. You know? I'm surprisingly, like, 
not bothered by it because it is it's done really well. Totally, totally. Yeah, um, I think all of us initially were down-ish on the Liam Sharp story on the lies. We all like the Earth, the Year One story a lot better. I almost just said Earth One, two Vince. Um, but I think looking back on it now, it's really come into its own and is something truly interesting. And I wonder how, when the Year One story wraps up, if it's going to be just all one story now. I, I, to me, as somebody who has had, you know, twenty years of practice managing superhero continuity in his head. To me, this already feels like one story now. Now that I know what the game is here, yeah, you know. Um, I think it's interesting that that you could argue that Wonder Woman got the biggest quote unquote rebirth thing of anyone, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you were you were particularly down on the the first few issues of the Liam Sharp story. Um, how are you feeling about it now? I'm really interested in it. Like, I, I definitely want to see where it goes. I, I like, I just like it a lot. Like, I, I love, I, I love this like kind of mythology that he's building up, that both of them are building up with, with all of the imagery, with the, the tree and the, and the snake bite, and, and how, how well the, the year one story is weaving in with this storyline, um, concurrently, and it's just. I don't know. It feels really good. Like, uh, you know, kind of all along, I said my biggest problem with it was that it just felt like a slow burn and it was probably going to take, you know, getting that first big payoff for me to, to kind of fill um, an attachment to it. And that, I mean, that's pretty much what happened. So I'm, I'm like really excited for the next arc for the, the truth arc. Isn't that, that's what, yes. Yeah. 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 I like this a lot. We are, um, we're in a good place right now, guys. Very. Yeah, there's obviously still some, some horseshit comics out there, but for the most part, like, I think if, I, I don't know if there's ever been a time where I've been more universally pleased with the entire DC run. Like the the entire line right now, I feel pretty good about. Yeah, I do too. I mean, the the only books that we have huge problems with don't seem to factor in all that much in the overall story. You know, action and Batman are the two that probably factor in the most. <laughs> yeah, now that you say that, but I feel I feel like they they have books in their own line that pick up the slack that feel more important somehow, you know, like, yeah, like action, action is definitely doing a lot, uh, with the elements that spun out of rebirth. But if you look at Superwoman and Superman, I would almost argue that those two books are doing the more important work. Well, action is just stalling, you know? Yeah. And that, and that may change because, I guess there's a Superman crossover coming up that includes action. Yes, of, of course, because we can't we can't go a year without a Superman crossover among like 
four different books or whatever. But was that but, in the most recent solicits? I don't think I saw that. I that believe was in that, direct currents again. Yeah, that's in direct currents. Oh, okay. Um, and and then as far as Batman goes, again, I feel like that is going to be super important because apparently there's going to be Watchmen stuff and and overall Bat family stuff going on in there in the long term. But again, for right now, Detective almost feels like the more important book for pushing everything forward. So I, I, I take your, I understand your point and I think they will become more important, but right now they feel like you can almost ignore Like I feel like I could have ignored Tom King's Batman and it would be fine. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe that'll change, but yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, uh, um, Next week is a, is a very small week. Only three books: Batman Annual, Superman Annual, and the DC New Talent Showcase book. So we had talked about a couple of different things to do for the off week. Um, did either of you guys think of a uh, a book you should, we should we should all read and report back on? Like an older book. No, I forgot we were doing that. <laughs> I kind of thought about it, but I didn't really settle on anything. I'm a bad co-host. That's all right. I didn't think of anything either. Um, I, I think it's kind of good to give us a little bit of a week to rest our brains. Actually, we'll we'll come back and we'll do a short show, and maybe, oh, you know what? Actually, I I have an idea for a game for next week's show too. Okay. So that'd be fun. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, so I'm tired tonight, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, thanks for listening everyone um until next time you can follow all three of us on twitter i am at brian is an app i'm at vj underscore o-s-t-r-o-w-s-k-i and i'm at sir fox 89 and uh we'll be back next week with another installment of the dc3 cast night guys